My church with a capital C. This is the church that, uh, that Jesus talked about, that he talked about all of us, that we are, we are a part this morning of people all across this world um, and all through the week worshiping one God, that there's the lower C church, which is the, what I would consider the local church. And we're in this series because I wanted to remind us, I think we do a lot of the stuff that we talked about last week and we're going to talk about today and talk about in the weeks to come. But I want to remind us because we need to, sometimes I think we fall away or we, we slack off a little bit. And uh, I want to uh, encourage us to keep going what this church, what Jesus said my church should look like. And we're, be- we're basing it off of this scripture in Matthew 16, 18, which says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. In other words, if you're a part of this church, he's telling you, listen, when you connect with me and my people, my family, my church, the Bible says right here that all the devil has can't conquer it. All the devil can throw at you will come up short for those who are plugged in to the kingdom of God. That we want to be a, a well-built church. Because even in the crazy world today, I don't think the American church realizes this. But the devil, if he can't get you unsaved, if he can't stop you from getting saved, he wants to get you disconnected. And so he's pulling people out of church. He's removing, causing people to take offense, to, to get their feelings hurt, to push God away through separating from the church. We talked about this last week, that I really, our heart is to, to flip a switch for you, to go from got to, I got to come to church, I got to show up, I got to, to, I get to. I get to be a part of the kingdom. I get to be a part of those serving God. There's a sign on the office door, on the inside above the door, that says, um, that's just a reminder for me. It's really selfish, I will admit, for me. Other people coming in and out can obviously see it, but I put it there for me. It's to remind me, and it says this. It says, thank you, God, for choosing me to be on your team, that I get to be a part of this. This doesn't swing around me or revolve around me. I'm just doing my part just as much as you are when you're serving on a dream team. That we are to be a church of people that is passionate. We talked last week about the pursuit of God, about praying, and about people. Today, we're going to talk about something, this this idea of pursuit, of pursuing all that God has for us. We talked about pursuing God as one part last week, but today I really want want to give you something some of you may have never really thought this through. Some of you have been around in church. It may be um, something you've heard before. But that we, we talk about all that God has from, for us. Because how many of you know this? God is more than fire insurance. What do you mean by that? Y'all looking at me kind of, huh? God is more than just getting you out of hell or keeping you from going to hell. And there are a lot of Christians, sadly, all over the world that God is nothing more than Okay, Jesus, I'm going to take you, but not because I really want to pursue you, but because you're going to keep me out of hell. I don't want to go to hell, and that scares me. And so we just we punch our fire insurance card. And don't get me wrong. It's, there's nothing wrong with thanking God for that. But eternity and heaven is God's highest priority. But that's just the starting line. That's where the journey starts. When you receive Jesus and you start the process, yes, yet a lot of us just stay right there. We don't move any further. We just thank you, God, for not sending me to hell, and we move on. 
But I said this last week and probably in previous weeks, that no matter how good you think you have it now, no matter how much money you have in the bank, how good you think your job is, how good you think your kids are, whatever's going on in life is all good. God always has more. Because if we don't think that, we limit God to what can fit between my ears. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to give my life to something that can fit between my ears. That's a, that's a very small area. But that we serve a God who says, I've got more for you than what you think. If you'll just pursue it, I'll show it to you. But it's been, let me say it this way. Pursuit of more has been made into equal. You're crazy. You're, you're going to be unpinged. You're going to be off your rocker. You're going to do crazy stuff. And it's really, it's, it's not fair to God. It's not fair to God if you read about his, how he's described as a God who's a father, who's a God of love and compassion and grace and mercy. And we, that should be more, we should want more of that. But we struggle with that, pursuing all that God has for us. That God always wants more. You know, to be, to be honest, there are a lot of people who are operating because they've been, they misunderstand. Or sadly, and this hurts my heart to even say this, there are pastors in, in churches who are just preaching more, 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 more because they're selfish, 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 selfish. And more is about getting them more, not letting you get everything that God has offered it's a selfish. But re- look what the Bible says. We're going to read this a few verses out of Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians 2. It says, Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. So you haven't seen it, heard it, or thought about it. What God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, there's more there than you can imagine. There's more there than you think. Look what it says in the next part of the verse. But it... But it was to us that God revealed these things by his, and say this word with me, by his, no, come on, by his, notice that's a capital S, not a lowercase. That's talking about the Holy Spirit, the the third part of the Trinity. For his spirit searches out everything, and get this, and does what? And shows it to you, and tells you about it. Now, before we go any further, Everybody take a deep breath. Did y'all breathe or y'all struggling out there? Deep breath. Now release it. Okay. This morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But before anybody gets like, I see people like gathering keys. Honey, get the keys. Like, you know, somebody push button start. Like, get it started. Well, I want you to relax a little bit, Okay. I just want to teach you because I, I would not be doing my job as a pastor, or as a shepherd, if I don't help you get all that God has for you. And I'm not one that claims that I've got all that God has for me because I certainly don't. I'm in the same pursuit. That when we hear these words like deep secrets and everybody gets all spooky spiritual and we get weird, I'll say it probably 10 times this morning in the next 15, 20 minutes. Weird people were weird before they met God. Don't blame God for weird people. Don't look at the person next to you or behind you, but anybody know some weird people? Anybody know people you think, how, how do you make it home at night? Right? 
Like we watched, we watched the news and, I'm, and I was telling Melanie, we were watching, um, I don't know, there's people protesting and I understand we have the right to protest. I'm like, y'all really don't have nothing else in life to do than to protest. I don't even remember what it was, but it was so minuscule and I thought, your life must be really sad if that's all you got to do is stand in front of a building and scream at people who aren't listening to you about a tree or something. You know, it was something just not eternal. So I want to talk to you this morning about the Holy Spirit, but I want to teach you a little bit of what the word means. The word in your New Testament Greek, spirit, is the Greek word pneuma. Pneuma simply means this, breath. Some people interpret it wind. The, when, when the translators translated for us, we didn't really have a word for Holy Spirit. So they made it up. And that's how we ended up with people saying Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. And if you're like me, you're like, I don't want no ghosts. I don't need ghosts, right? And so we get all weirded out about it. So before we go on, I just want everybody to take a deep breath. I promised, I told my daughter I was going to tell you a good dad joke, but I couldn't come up with one. So um, I, just, I just didn't have one. And she tells me my jokes are terrible. So um, I... I let you get by without hearing a terrible dad joke. So guys, if y'all have some I can share, then email them and I'll insert them into a, insert them into a message. But Paul here, we're reading in, in, uh, in Corinthians, introduces the Holy Spirit. This pneuma is the word they're using. It means wind, breath. And one version, of, one translation actually says power. And he goes on, actually we'll back up a, a, few, a few verses in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4. And Paul says this, that my messages and preaching were plain. I can identify with Paul. I don't think my messages are, are big and big words and fancy. I think my messages are plain. I was waiting for a little support there, but I'll, I'll move on. <laughs> no, it's not. They're awesome. Thanks, guys. Love you too. But it says, rather than using clever, persuasive speeches... Listen, and this is me. I don't think I can express to you without sounding phony, and I don't want to sound phony, but how not able I am to do what I do. That this is me. I rely on the power of God's Spirit. That people told me for years, you're never going to be able to do that. You don't talk in front of people well enough. You sound funny when you talk. Actually, years ago, I was traveling with... Uh, with ORU back when I was doing my minute, uh, master's degree. And we were in South Africa, and we had the chance to go on a radio station. And in the radio, I got into the radio station, and it was me and three of my teammates, and then all the other team were outside. And I remember coming out thinking, wow, that was fun. We were on national radio in South Africa. And my team members can't come out, and they were all shaking their head. And all three of us that were talking um, of the three of us, I was the only one from the South. You can imagine how that sounded. We were already Americans in South Africa, and I was from the South. And they said, yeah, you don't sound like you look on, you don't sound on radio like you look in person. I said, what do you mean? I was like, you sound stupid. <laughs> and they were like, it's like well, I'm, you know, I'm from the South. I do what I can. But, you know, I have people tell me all the time that I can't. So I live every day like this. I live every day right now um, 
we've been really working on how to handle the growth. Our kids' ministries are full. You saw it last Sunday, we were packed. We were even having to figure out how to get you guys coffee faster because we got too many people to get you coffee and we want you all to have coffee because it helps me when you're caffeinated. So we, you know, we're working through those things. And I just told Melanie, we're just gonna have to have God help us because I'm not that smart. And Paul says, neither am I. And look what he says in the next part of the verse. He said, I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom. But this is all of us now. He's talking to the church. He said, but you should trust in the what? The power of God. And when we hear that, people get freaked out because we think we're going to suddenly go charismatic. Charismatic, we've hijacked the word charismatic. Just sim- Charisma just means simply a grace gift, a gift you didn't deserve. God's given us gifts. And charismatic does not mean crazy. Look what it goes, it goes on in verse 4, I mean chapter 4, verse 20. It says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living by power. It's not just a lot of smack talk. And there are sadly a lot, again, I go back, it hurts my heart to say this, a lot of pastors who are just a lot of, a lot of hot air. But the, the only way you and I do it and do it well is we live by the power of God. I want to invite you in this morning. I want to invite you in, just like we had people last week, when we baptized them, we, we dunked them. They went all the way under. That's what the Bible teaches, baptism and submersion. But you may not realize this. The Bible actually refers to three baptisms. Most people think, well, it's just water. But the word actually doesn't mean baptizing water. The word, don't put that point up yet. The word means um, immersion. And if you want to get into it, the, well, the Greek word is baptismo, and I'm not smart. I had to look it up. And it just means to be all in. It would be the same thing as if you're a, if you're whatever football team or Georgia fan or God help you, Bama fan. Um, um, by the way, go Gators. Good job. Um, <laughs> I had to just ride on my Tennessee people. Um, but whatever team you're in, all in are the people which amazes me. And if you were this in high school, and I know a person who did this, who, I mean, in college, who was one of the letters in the Georgia where they paint themselves. And if I told you who it was, you would not really believe me because some of you may know her and it was a her, but they, the ones that they paint the letters on them, that's all into me. Like that, that's not, I wore my golf shirt. I sit in the, you know, in the nice air conditioned section, eating, eating and drinking and just hanging out watching. The all-in fan is like, I, I, I've painted myself from head to toe. That's baptism. It's immersion, you're all in. And that's what God's asking us to do. It really just means to go all in. So I want to give you the three. And it may surprise you. The first one is baptism into the body of Christ. This is simply what we call salvation. That you're brought in, some versions, if you read through your New Testament, it talks about being grafted in welcomed in, adopted, but it's baptized into the body of Christ or salvation. It's only through Jesus. It's eternal life, but it's also into the family of God. All through the Bible, God uses the analogy and the likeness of a family, which honestly is why we gather, because we gather as a family. The difference between 
maybe home family and the big C church family is that God says, now you've got a family. Now you need to be inviting somebody. You need to be bringing other people in. Our family, <clears throat> your family at home is a closed family. Unless you're you know, adopted or you're brought in specifically, we don't just bring people into the quote family. But into a church family, the Bible says, you're being brought into this larger family and now you need to be doing something with it. Look what the Bible says. This is, again, Paul, but he's, he's writing in. I didn't give you all this one. I think I skipped it, but I'm going to give it. No, there it is. Let's do that one. But in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, We've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. God had brought us in to be part of his family. And look what it says in Galatians. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. So the first one is baptism into the body of Christ. It's salvation. It's it's when you, the Bible says that you confess it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart that Jesus did everything he said he would do. He died for you. He rose for you. He's in heaven for you. And the Bible says when you believe and confess that, that you're brought into the family. Notice this stands alone. I'm going to give you the other two in a minute, but I'm going to say it again, but you've got to hear this. If anyone is teaching that you have to do anything else besides confess it with your mouth, believe it in your heart, that Jesus is your Lord, they are teaching, and I'm just going to use the strongest word I can, they're teaching it's heresy. It's not true. It's just not true. You cannot add anything to salvation because if you could do something to get it, it wouldn't be free. If you could do something to earn it, it wouldn't be grace and mercy. It would be something you can work for. So don't let anybody tell you you have to add steps or add anything to it to, to receive salvation, baptism, baptism into the body of Christ. The second one is one we did last week that you all know. It's water baptism. It's public declaration of my faith. It's a public example of maybe what was a private, just you and God decision. There are some salvations that happen in public and people see it, but for the most part, it can happen and, and nobody knows it. So baptism is saying, God, I'm identifying myself with you. I'm saying, hey, I'm in your family. I'm on your team. Look what the Bible says in Acts. It says that those who believe what Peter said, in other words, they believed the gospel, they believed about Jesus, were baptized and they brought him into the church. All through, if you read through the New Testament, people are saved, and then they're baptized. In Matthew chapter 10, it says that everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge them before heaven. But everyone who denies me on earth, this is huge. Think about, (laughs) this Jesus, that I'm going to deny you before heaven. If you remember, there's another place in the New Testament where, where Jesus says, hey, People come to Jesus and say, hey, I did all these miracles in your name. And Jesus says, I don't know who you are because you never received me. I don't think we really understand the magnitude of what that means. That water baptism is the outward, outward symbol. I'll liken it to this. Water baptism is like my wedding ring, which now is because I'm destructive. It's just a silicone ring. You don't trust me with expensive stuff. But... If I take this ring and I, when it was put on me, that does not make me married. What makes me married is when I stood at the altar in Santa Maria, California 24 years ago 
and place my life with hers. This just says, sorry, ladies, I'm taken. <laughs> this says, no, I, my commitment has been made to her. Water baptism is the same thing. Water baptism for all you guys who got baptized is just me saying, uh-uh, devil. Now my life is now identified with my, my daddy, my, my father, my God. And so the wedding ring doesn't make me no more than it would mean if I went and my ring was put on somebody else. Some other guy doesn't make them married to her. It's simply a symbol of a commitment. Now, it may surprise you, but there is the third one. And this is where people get their hiney puckered. That's the only way I know how to say it. We get nervous. Anytime anybody utters the phrase, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But usually, if you're in, in a Pentecostal church or some charismatic churches or if a preacher's a real fireball, he says, Holy Spirit, and he acts crazy. And that's why we react funny. But the Bible is clear. This is the third baptism. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are words that people use. We get lost in these semantics. You'll hear people say, we're spirit-filled. That we're, And I'm using the word here, that we're living a spirit-empowered life. Because people want to get in and argue about, well, did he feel me? When did he feel me? How did he feel me? I'm just telling people. Listen, I've got God in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. And if, if it wasn't by his power, we're not going to make it. But some, again, even teach that this is needed for salvation. There are those who teach, and I'm telling you, I will argue this nose to nose and go to heaven arguing it. You cannot add to salvation. You cannot tell people, well, you got to be baptized, and if you're not baptized, you're not saved until you baptize. Well, that to me is just silly. What happens if somebody says, I received Jesus and we're going to baptize them next week and they don't make it next week? Something terrible happens. God's going to go, oh, you, made, you almost made it. All you had to do is get wet. But there are also people that teach in some churches. Well, you're not saved. Well, I know you're not saved. Well, how do you know I'm not saved? I haven't heard you speak in tongues. I haven't seen gifts of the Spirit well, that doesn't make you saved. You can't add that to it. You can't add anything to salvation. Now, I made myself clear. We cannot add anything to salvation. You just can't do it. It's wrong. It's not what the Bible teaches. But I want you to look at this verse. I'm going to show you some verses about the first church. Give me 10 minutes and we'll, and we'll be out of here. This is about the first church. It's, it's a history of the first church. In the book of Acts, if you want to read through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit shows up on the earth, and then that's when really the church as we know it, the modern church, started. And there's a, a history of it. So I'm going to read you a few verses in Acts chapter 5, I mean chapter 8, verse 5. So Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. In other words, he began to go tell them about Jesus. Look what it says, and we're going to skip on to verse 12. So, but when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized. So there we go. They got saved. That's water baptism. That word there is the water baptism word. Both men and women. In verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard, hey, something's happened in Samaria. These people are believing Jesus. They sent two more disciples. They sent Peter and John. But look what this says in verse 15. When they arrived and prayed for the new believers, 
there that they might know or receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit hadn't shown up yet. They didn't understand it. They had just been baptized in Jesus. So there are people that, that didn't know about it. But look what happens in verse 7, 16. Sorry, go back to 16. In verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not come on the day, simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. In verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, we get all kind of weirded out about that. Laying on hands, the what, and just take a deep breath today. Because this is going to be a, a 101, an entry level. I just want you to understand all that God has for us. Again, it's can't add to salvation that I really, truly believe this. I'm going to use the word spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, whatever you want to do. Don't get hung up on the words. You can be spirit-filled and not be weird. You can be full of God in your life and not be a nutcase. You can be full of God, and this is, gonna, this is way out there, are you already. You can be normal. And we, we treat God and we treat his Holy Spirit like it shows up in, in the room and suddenly we all just lose our minds. If I was raised, I've been in all my life in a either, however you want to term it, Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, all my life. I've been in and out of friends who had, or in denominational churches who were much more conservative. And I just decided years ago as a pastor, we were doing church wrong. We were, we were making it about the craziness and not about daddy. We were making it about the emotionalism and not about daddy who said, I sent my spirit because you need my help and you can't make it without. I don't think we truly realize that as Christians, that if God were to say, okay, fine, you want to do it yourself and take his hands off of us? You think the world's bad now? Wait until there's not a Holy Spirit guiding us. Some of you have gone through some very close calls in life. Maybe the, I have. The, the truck that almost sideswiped you and T-bones you happened to me as a teenager. I started out on a green light, knowing my light was green. My dad, out of nowhere, told me, he, my dad was in the passenger seat. My dad said, stop. I, was, I hit the brakes and a dump truck. If, honestly, I swear to this day, a dump truck went through the front of my car. I felt like, a, like I could see in my mind's eye, I could see the driver's feet. That's how close it was. You know, the little window on the bottom of a, a big rig. And I asked my dad, I said, dad, why did you say stop? Did you see the truck? He said, no, I just heard God say stop. So he said it out loud. See, a lot of us, I think we've experienced God leading us and guiding us. And we just think, Ooh, I was lucky. No, you're not lucky. You were watched after. Woo, we made it out. I got, you know, I went through this disease or I went through this time in life or my marriage was bad or my kids were, were bad and they came back and woo, we made it. I did a good job. No, you really didn't. You were led and you were led by a God who said, you're going to need me to, to lead you. You know, you can be spirit filled and not be weird. So sad that there are a lot of us. And I want you to be honest with yourself. There are a lot of us who don't let God in because we've experienced, we've had bad experiences. You've been into a church that makes you like, what are these people doing? You know, that we, it happens. I've got a friend of mine, and I've joked with him for 15, 20 years. 
he goes to another church and um, we, he jokes with me about, okay, well, y'all just going to bring out some snakes. Because y'all charismatic, you bring out snakes. Well, let me tell you, there were two things. You bring out a snake, the next thing you're going to see is my backside hitting that door. <laughs> or if somebody happened to be carrying a firearm, you're going to hear some shooting because the only snake I'm going to be around is the one that's dead or in a really tight cage. I ain't playing with snakes, right? So, but it's just because we don't know. And there's reasons that we're so resistant to it. Some of you ask me a lot. I say, Clint, I need you to go deep. I want some deep theology. Well, buckle up. I'm going to give you two verses. We're going to go real deep for a minute, okay? Okay, good. I'm glad you're ready. I'll... Y'all can talk today. Come on. All right, here's 1 John 5. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. Okay, we're going to link heaven and earth. Here we go. The Father, God, the Word, the Word is Jesus. If you read um, John 1, 1, it says the, the, God, the Word was with God and the Word was God. It's talking about Jesus in heaven before he was sent to the earth. And the Holy Spirit. And say it with me. These three are one means they all jive. They're all together. Okay, we're going to move from heaven. Now we're going to come down to the earth. Here's the three baptisms. And there are three that bear witness on the earth. The Spirit, capital S, the water, baptism, water, public declaration of faith, and the blood, the blood of Jesus, baptism into the family of God. And these three, say it with me, agree as one. one. So don't tell me it's not for us. Here's three in heaven. The Bible says there's a three on the earth, and you need these three. Paul was very clear. It's not about me, my work but it's about the spirit and the power of God because that's what you need. The father in this verse is God. The word is Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Then there's spirit, which actually that word is translated power. Water is the public and the blood is the salvation. They agree as one. Then let me ask you this question in the next five minutes. Why are we so distant? Now, I want honesty and I want somebody, everybody to respond in some fashion. Perfectly, just throw your hand up. And I'm going to ask you this question. When I started talking about the Holy Spirit, how many of you at least went, oh, like the caution warning went off inside of you? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. We get nervous. Now, if we were in a traditional church, a more denominational church, people may not get as excited because you feel like you're going to hang out here. But when you come into a church like ours that's different, think, oh, Lord, here he goes. These people are going to start acting crazy. There's lots of reasons that we're, we're resistant. We see chaos. We see people say, well, I'm full of the Spirit of God, and they're crazy. I've had somebody tell me this one time. said, I love salvation. I love what Jesus did for me. I baptized I baptized, water baptism, I've made it public. He said, but I don't know about this Holy Spirit stuff. So he actually told God, he said, God, I'll, I'm going to get saved, I'm going to be baptized, but I don't want any of that Holy Spirit, none of that Holy Ghost stuff. And I told him, I said, well, t you're taking the power out of it. It's like taking the, telling me you just bought a, the fastest car in the world, and, but we're not 